0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. All right. Y'all sound a little bit like my church on Sunday morning. So it's good to see you this morning. I'm so grateful for Jim and his leadership in our office. Uh, we serve in the student resources financial aid office and military affairs is in that office. And I assist Jim and I'm just thrilled to, uh, just to, to, um, be a part of this week. And I asked Jim, I said, Hey, you let me know whatever I can do. I'll do whatever you need me to do. And I didn't know he would ask me to moderate this discussion. And, uh, but I'm happy to uh, be here and happy to moderate this discussion. I am a local pastor. Uh, my church is in Raleigh, uh, which is the town just right next door, the city right next door. I'm born and raised in Raleigh. I'm a seminary student as well uh, here at Southeastern. So I'm working on a third degree from Southeastern. I'm doing a THM in Christian ethics. And again, I work in the student resources, financial aid office and, and assist Jim with military affairs. And so I'm glad to be here and glad to, um, just have this opportunity to sit with this, uh, uh, this group of, uh, folks who love Christ and love their local churches and love the ministry, uh, the military community as well. Let me tell you real quickly, my, 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 um, my most extensive experience with the military community i was an interim pastor uh for about a year down at in jacksonville at first baptist uh church in jacksonville north carolina and so camp lejeune is there and my wife and my girls we were there for about a year close to it and just fell in love with just that community and just fell in love with this our our military particularly marines in in that community and uh and just just thrilled again just to just to, just to be a part of this, this event. And I just want to say how much we appreciate all of those who are serving and have served. And Southeastern just wants to just, uh, just, um, continue to, uh, uh, develop our students to, to love the great commission, to love the local church and to, and to reach communities and, and the military community as well. So thrilled to be here. I want the, the panel just to take a minute. And, uh, first of all, I want them to introduce themselves. Then I want them to tell the name of their church, their local church where they're serving. And then I want them to describe for us um, how they're doing military ministry in their local church. In other words, what military ministry looks like uh, in their local church. And we'll start right here with Matt.
1: All right. Matthew Bryant. I'm at Village Baptist Church. I'm pastor of discipleship at uh, both of our campuses. We have two campuses, and I'm the campus pastor for our Riley Road campus, which is about I don't know, a tenth of a mile off the of Riley Road uh, gate from Fort Bragg. And, uh, and so just down the road in Fayetteville. I'm an Air Force Reserve chaplain as well. And so that was some of the boon for Village about three months ago when I started working there. They were uh, And it was a great thing to an answer prayer for my family. And I was just finishing up school in New Orleans, praying about God, making a connection with me in a local church uh, uh, where I could serve and continue serving the military community, use my access as a military chaplain and as a service person and to be able to get on post to be able to have those relationships but uh so really uh it's been a, a great answer to prayer to have that uh, a church that really is focused and intentionally uh aimed at, at trying to reach military personnel the soldiers on Bragg. and so uh what does military ministry look like we're we're learning still you know we're still learning about a year and a half ago uh our pastor came and said, hey, picked out two guys who, who are still part, actually one of them just PCS'd, and, and now we still have uh, one of the guys here. But uh, he and he said, hey, you two guys are going with me to a conference. And they came back, and we had a military ministry about a year and a half ago. You know, And so what we've been doing is we're still learning on that. Uh, but one of the things we intentionally do is we try and make sure uh, that we're uh, really constantly addressing, uh, you know, uh, military community through programs we do with reboot uh, combat recovery i don 't know if anyone's just aimed at uh, helping people with spiritual and moral recovery from uh, post traumatic stress uh, disorder and and uh, we offer that we do financial peace university on and off post we fluctuate it on and off post so that the garrison chaplain can promote that for us when it 's on post he can promote it. Our guys go they teach it they wear their village t shirts they they invite people to church they 're building those relationships. And then we'll bring it back over and have it on our campus. And uh, so we fluctuate those programs on and off posts with the relationships with either chaplains or uh, this latest Garrison chaplain. We've had a good relationship with the church, and he's uh, welcomed that kind of a partnership. And so we've uh, been intentionally looking to grow, and so uh, in that area of how we reach soldiers. And uh, so Fort Bragg, it's a it's a largest post as far as personnel in the Free Earth, and so it's a fifty. 5,000, I believe, soldiers that, you know, uh, Chaplain Stokes, I believe, is here. He, he's he's with 50,000, 50, soldiers. You know, it's just incredible, uh, you know, amount of work to be done. And so, we're looking to deepen those partnerships with chaplains and also local partnerships with, uh, you know, disciple makers and things like that that are doing things on post to be able to uh, work together to reach the soldiers. So. My name is Shannon Turhune, and uh
2: I did a, I served a full career as a U.S. Uh, Navy officer. Um, I was not a chaplain. I was a surface warfare officer, and God put his hand on me, and I retired and came down to seminary here. So I'm a two-time grad from Southeastern with my Master of Divinity and THM. I pastor a church called Raleigh Heights Baptist Church in Norfolk, Virginia. It's a revitalization effort, and uh, I'm also the president of a two-year school called Faith Bible College in Norfolk. And um, our bumper sticker is we're the community college to the local church. Um, the context that we're doing military ministry in Norfolk is for uh, sailors and um, a few Marines, but mostly Navy sailors and their families. So at our church, we, uh, in summary, have kind of a two-pronged effort. Um, we had the opportunity to bring the preaching ministry of our church on local Christian radio. And we've been doing that for uh, better than two years now. And our time is when the sailors are driving to work in the morning, we're hitting them with Bible teaching on a local Christian radio station. And we've seen um, most of our new um, members for this revitalization have initially heard us off the radio broadcast. And in the context of the church, we don't load up our church with programs on the calendar. We uh, organically share in community. So those are the contexts of what we're doing.
3: Uh, my name is Chris Seamers. I'm at Richland Creek Community Church here in Wake Forest. Um, I'm actually the facilities manager there, right? So I keep the church clean. But, uh, anyway, I served 21 years in the Army, um, retired in 2008, moved here initially to go to the college. I switched over to Liberty, um, cause it was easier. <laughs> and then I, I finished my math. I'm just being honest, right? There's a ton of reading here. Um, we all know that, um, but I finished my master's here and, uh, ministry leadership just this past May. Um, I had like a four year break because I had four teenagers in the house at one time that needed my undivided attention. I'm like Scott Yawn; He's got five kids. I got six. So we actually served together, right? So Scott Yawn is an elder at our church and as well, we serve together in military ministry. Um, ours is mainly to veterans, um, We started doing this uh, about four or five years ago, right? Um, And then we had a break because someone deployed, right? That'd be that dude back there, not me. Man, I ain't deploying no more. Um, But uh, then he came back, and we had, he preached on Veterans Day weekend when he came back, right? And we started asking, you know, all those who served in the military, please stand up. And we were in awe. Um hundreds, literally hundreds, um, stood up um that have served or have had family served as well. Um and it just it was clarification for us that this is what we need to do. Um so now because of that, I'm also on the board of the uh Wake Forest Purple Heart Foundation, which we host at our church, a banquet which this year I think we honored eighty-two Purple Heart recipients. Um, so we're in the community. We, our, our biggest thing is veterans and also national guard. We have a first sergeant from a national guard unit, um, that is a member of our church. They just recently deployed and got back from, uh, Guantanamo Bay. And, uh, so it was a, it was a good foundation for us to see how we can assist the local community when it comes to those deploying. I think it was Florence that came through last year. Right, we're getting ready to have this other dude come through named Dorian. But Florence came through last year, and uh, the guy's name, first on his name is Ty. He called me and says, Hey, man, I got a soldier whose basement's flooded. What can you do? Because no one's able to help him out. And he was deployed as well, and it was just his family that was there. And uh, man, we took, I have no idea, a dozen to 20 people there and just took everything out of their basement, put everything on pallets. It was just a great time for us. Uh, but mainly, along with that, uh, I spent a lot of time counseling. <laughs> um, counseling individuals, um, dealing with PTSD, anxiety, um, anger issues, all because that's what I used to have, too, and still deal with PTSD a little bit, not as much as I used to, though. So um, but that's what we're doing. That's how we're rolling out. So.
4: I'm Sherry Breggy. Um, I'm from Johnson Ferry Baptist Church in Marietta, Georgia. I'm part of the military ministry, and Dave will tell you a little bit more about our overall ministry. Uh, But we started our ministry a little over seven years ago because of a need that we had in our church. And like Chris, we're not located near a military base or post. Um, So we, you know, we're not really sure how many people we had in the church. But what we've found is there are a lot of veterans but, in addition to the veterans, we have a lot of people who have sons and daughters in the military, or sometimes their are wives whose husbands are in the military and deployed so we what my group does is we have what we call women with a military connection, so we have moms, we have wives, we have aunts, we have grandmothers. We have moms of a girlfriend of a deployed soldier. You know, so we have, we serve um the women. We help them understand. As you know here, if you're in the military, there's a different language that you speak in the military. And, you know, if a mom, for example, we have a mom who had a son who just went through boot camp, Marine boot camp, and she had not a clue. On different things, we were help. We had to help her understand, or could help her understand what he was going through and what to expect. So we really serve. um, We really serve the women with the connection, and we have found that often the wives and the moms are the first ones who know that there's a problem with the with the service member. You know, they're the ones who are affected by the PTSD or other issues, and it was because of one of those big problems that we realized we needed to get together and we needed to serve and we needed to be available. We started with supporting one couple and then have moved on to, to serve many others. And Dave will tell you about the overall ministry.
5: Good morning. My name is Dave Raper. I'm a uh, combat wounded Marine. uh, And I got involved in the ministry because of, uh, uh, because of that. And Getting guys who are in the veteran community, bringing them forth to the Veterans Administration. Uh, we do have Dobbins Air Force Base, which is close to us, and we do have some interaction with them. Uh, but principally, we work most a lot vertically. We've got about 167 guys who are, uh, and two women who are veterans, and we're making sure that. They're tied into their benefits and to the local part. Um, What does our ministry look like? Um, We do service projects. As a matter of fact, this morning we're pouring concrete for a a guy who's 100% disabled, a sidewalk into his house and getting a 30-foot ramp being built for his home. Um, So uh, our guys... uh, pony up and i'll tell you more about that
0: later as we move through it pete great thank you guys for answering those questions uh next question would be this if if someone were to ask why a military ministry why should a local church um seek to um minister to the uh, military community why is that needed why was that important to your local churches as God was moving, as he was speaking to your heart about reaching uh, the military community? What did you sense he was saying as to why it was needed and why is it important? And for maybe uh, a local pastor or a student that could be in the room today who may be thinking about um, military ministry, being a chaplain, uh, expand a little bit more on the need that you all saw in your local churches that that led you to to establish your military ministries. And anybody can start don't have to go in
2: order well i guess the the need for having ministry and the concept of inclusion of military members is important because as christians that are trying to spread the gospel message we can reach people that are coming to our communities we don't have to go there so uh, the the military is doing an amazing thing uh, by uh, having people from every single state in our uh, nation and territory, and often uh, these people come into the military wanting to better their lives. They have no concept of how a family operates in most um, uh, cases, coming from broken homes, um, no concept of what it means to be a Christian or um, what the Bible is all about, so I guess in the context of where I'm doing my ministry, it's repairing a community. You know, there used to be in Norfolk, after Vietnam, signs, and I have some of them in my book, that say, dogs and sailors stay off my grass. Now we're a community that's intertwined and have love for each other. So we have people that have no connection with the military opening their homes and showing people from every state in the nation how a Christian family operates. They're opening their home to have them over for dinner. We have people that say, hey, look, all this person needs is somebody that's a grandfather to teach them how to budget. So we're just, um, I think it's, we're just able to show what Christian family looks like to people that grew up without knowing Christ, the Bible, or a family themselves?
1: So, as I say, we're we're, we're learning um, at Village Baptist Church. But part of the vision we have for really targeting soldiers and saying how do we reach soldiers for Christ is, I mean, our, our firm belief is that God can change the world from little bitty Fayetteville, North Carolina, if we can learn how to disciple Soldiers and celebrate our sending out as missionaries um, and So we're starting to develop a culture of celebrating the sending you know too often I think in a local church and a local in a in and especially in a military community. It's like you know, hey I mean we bemoan some of our all-stars that are leaving because you get some great volunteers You get great people get plugged in sold out because they they PCS and they know how to get plugged into a local community right away and start serving. And we've got stories like that. But what we're trying to learn how to do is, and the reason for having an intentional military ministry is, those are the best case scenarios. Those are the people that they're going to come find you. I mean, that happened, we had a, uh, uh, our, a Tuesday night uh, debriefing on how are we doing over the summer. We've just launched a, a campus. We've been meeting for three months. And we had a military family come uh, to this meeting, who's never been to our church before, but they said, We heard about what you were doing, and we've been plugged into a church plant when we were in Alabama, and we wanted to get involved in that right away. So we came to this meeting so we can get serving. But those are the best case scenarios, and that's not going to, that's just that's the rarity part. What we want to do is try and de- develop a, a culture where we're trying to get, get those relationships, you know, in the summer when they PCS. So at best, we've got three years. You know, maybe three years. So PCS is permanent Change of Station, for those that aren't familiar with that. But, uh, you know, Permit Change of Station, someone comes, soldier comes in, we might have them for three years, you know, is, uh, is the best case. You know, we want to um, learn how we can intentionally disciple and, and train them to be a faithful follower of Jesus and, and take that. When they deploy, then they're doing exactly what just happened to us because you know what that church that this couple came from they were doing it right in regards to they came they just hit the ground running we want to sort of start developing that kind of a culture and we've seen it happen organically where the first uh, week I was at at Village we had a family come and join our church uh, and because they had two recommendations from people in Georgia and Texas on their way here as they drove their home because they live in an RV and they drove their home to be where they're stationed at Fort Bragg and they're like well we heard from two different states at two different churches that we need to come join Village uh, because of what y'all are doing to reach soldiers. And so it's sort of starting to happen organically, but we're wanting to actually look at how we can do that strategically to make disciples and see God use Fayetteville as a missionary sending city. Fort Bragg is a missionary sending post uh, where we can change the world from a little old B Fayetteville um, and that sounds all nice and casting a vision, but now we're this is the hard work where we're trying to really grow and learning how can we intentionally do that better. And so we're growing, we're learning. We don't have the answers necessarily figured out, but that's what we're trying to intentionally aim at hitting. And uh, you know, so that's that's what we're working through, and that's why we have a military ministry.
4: As I mentioned earlier, our ministry grew out of a need, so we, we believe that we're there bec- to minister to the needs and our group more ministers to the needs of people, uh, of family members, or those related to people who are currently on active duty. Dave can talk more about the veterans, but we've had um, we've had a number of um, people deployed, or sons, mostly sons of our group, or sons and husbands deployed. In um, the the family that's left behind, needs support, needs encouragement. There are also practical needs. We've had a couple of moms who've come back to the Atlanta area to have their babies while their husbands are deployed. Uh, We've had uh, a mom come to Atlanta with her sons waiting for a liver transplant for her little boy while her husband was uh, stationed in Germany. Um, A lot of uh, practical things. We've, we've been there uh, to support um, a mom uh, and grandmother actually of a young man who, you know, had a drug problem and was in the courts and, and, you know so we believe that we're we're meeting needs that's why the the military ministry um exists is to meet those needs as well as uh, meets the needs of veterans
5: as um uh, as background a Cobb County has what is called Veterans Court does any are you from anybody else from me with the Veterans Court well, the concept of the Veterans Court is that if you are a veteran and you are arrested within Cobb County, you get an opportunity to go to Veterans Court, and they have an eighteen-month program. Uh, the Judge Ruben Green, who's a member of our church, is a E5 Marine and or was an E5 Marine, and he now runs this court. It's eighteen-month program, both sides of the house, uh, wherein that if you go and you complete the course you get an, your charges are expen- expunged so what one of the things that we do bearing in mind that our guys in the church who are veterans um you know we're a little bit older and so what we do is we every time there's a graduation we our military ministry supports that graduation uh, we have assisted the mentors because what happens is, as a veteran gets uh, arrested and comes to court, he's assigned a mentor. And so the mentor is uh, army to army, Marine to Marine, Navy to Navy, so we can communicate and talk. And be. and it's an 18-month program if you decide you want to be in there. So we provided, uh, in our ministry, we provided the shirts for the mentors so they could go in and out of the jailhouse and still have a sense of uniform. We uh, also, there's a program called Heroes Care. Uh, within our ministry, what does it look like? Heroes Care is a coming out of Missouri, and what we did was... Um, uh, they have a relationship with men's warehouse, and so we put together twenty suits for Marines who had never had a suit and We had a presentation on board base at the reserve unit, and our veterans came and uh you know these guys, gosh, I got a suit you know eighteen years old nineteen year old and all of a sudden. And now they weren't all, you know, they're not $5,000 Gucci suits, you know, but I mean, they're good suits, blacks and gives them ready to go. Uh and in our and our primary focus though is to make sure that all of our men who had veterans benefits because the majority of our guys did their time, got out, went to work for AT&T, Coca-Cola, General Motors or whatever they did, and they Didn't do anything about it. Now they're of the age and they're trying, they can't hear, you know, they have prostate problems, they've, uh, you know, that's kind of things, and they don't know what's there. So within your body of church believers, and they're not going to ask you. They'll come, they'll come on the side to ask you. I wear a a veteran shirt and, and my Purple Heart hat, and the only reason I really do that, not necessarily to say, look at me, I'm a Purple Heart or I'm a veteran, what it does, it allows a veteran to come to me and say, you a veteran? And I say, yeah. He said, well, can I talk to you? Yes, you can. What do you got? And then we start the conversation.
0: So within your churches, work on that. Pete? Great, great. Let's transition. What have been, um, say, some of your greatest challenges in your local church doing ministry to the military community? And I think I may... I've heard some, I don't want to assume, maybe deployments, but I appreciate the perspective that even when people transition, you're making disciples and even though they're being deployed, you're actually sending them and they go and hopefully do ministry. But, but, but maybe uh, transition, deployments, I, I've heard post-traumatic stress a couple times in some comments. Um, I'm just reflecting back when I was an interim pastor, at uh, First Baptist Jacksonville, one of our biggest challenges, it seemed to be, uh, was the transition of a very transient community. And then the other one that I that I remember, uh, the military community there in Jacksonville, it, it was a close community in some regards. It was hard, it was tough to crack, if you will. And they, they they were a community within themselves. In fact, I went to Camp Lejeune, and I thought, good night, you know, this is amazing. This is like a city. In and of itself, you know, um, and so sometimes we found it a little bit tough to kind of to get into that community. What have been some of the challenges, maybe, that you've experienced as you've done um, military ministry? And then, how have you responded to them? How how has the Lord led and guided you to respond to some of those challenges?
1: Where you kind of soft toss that one. Like you said, is that the the challenge of people leaving. I mean, the biggest thing is this change of the culture is learning to celebrate that because people, you've heard the adage, they'll repeat what you celebrate. And so it's an opportunity to tell a testimony of how this person was here for three years, but let me tell you what they will do in three years and, you know, celebrate that. And then other people see that. That's an invitation to, okay, I I need to start doing that. And it's an invitation and it's an encouragement for them to go do the same thing wherever they're going. It doesn't matter where they're heading to next. Um, uh, With deployments, the challenges, you know, and things that we face is, um, you know, spouse is gone and now it's kids trying to get, you know, see a mom wrangling. You know, we have a lot of young families, uh, at Fort Bragg cause it's the 80 seconds right there. I'd say, uh, young soldiers with young families. And so, uh, we've, uh, do this thing called the deployment spouse network with our Sunday schools and our life groups, basically where they, uh, they'll partner them up with someone, usually someone who's a, uh, Military connection retiree, and they partner them up with helping them get the kids in the door uh, from the parking lot you know and things like that. just little things that make a huge difference for a mama trying to wrangle four kids in to church and get them checked in and stuff like that you know it's just um that's a lot, and so those are those are some of the tangible ways of just helping some of them uh but it, and it's a challenge to face but it's it's just an on ramp to build a level on people and and uh so we have those things that we realize in our community are a challenge with deployments, and so we provide a parents morning out that's not like a, you don't have to be a member of our church, uh, but Monday through Thursday, they they take a, they get a rate that's basically just paying for the child care worker, and it's cheaper than what they can get on any other place on post or off, and it's just a way for them to be able to go get groceries for three hours, uh, and, and so we've connected now probably 15 families that weren't part of our church because we got 48 kiddos that are coming and doing and a parents' morning out. Their parents are coming, dropping their kids off, being able to just have. And most of them are uh, have a spouse that's deployed, and so those are some uh, maybe some of the unique things and ways we try and just see how this is an opportunity to just love on the community and make that a bridge to our local church, where we can introduce them to Christ and
3: the family of Christ in our church. Yeah, I think with uh, with us, it's uh, squashing military philosophy. If you understand what I'm saying, just some examples. And this is stuff I just keep in my mind all the time to not forget where I came from, right? Um, infantrymen are not going to hell because we already lived it, right? I've heard that from a sergeant major in the Army, right? Um, I don't care about my wife, I care more about my children. I can find a new wife. Right? I've been baptized in the sands of hell in Iraq. You know what I'm talking about there. So, to crush that is, and the only way to do that is a healthy gospel community. Um, we have military fellowships once a month that we bring people in, they have them invite people, and from there we try to push them to life groups, Sunday school class, whatever you want to call it. Um, to get them in a healthy community, and I started one a year ago because I, I heard one some of our people say, um, "Well, this is my life group," and I'm like, "Absolutely not. This is not your life group." Now, I want I, our, our goal is to get them plugged into a church community so they can trust the people in their community, right? Um, military will will click, right? We're clickish people. We'll find other military people, and we will grasp hold of them, and that's who will hang out and it doesn't matter what kind of lifestyle they're living right it could be your next-door neighbor and we'll just hang on to them right and so now you know bad morals um corrupt good company right and so we just sit there and we just we try to get them plugged in and then to serve and so this is this is not something obviously you can do overnight it's discipleship you know you don't do discipleship just in 2 days right years it takes to disciple people um so that that's what we're we're really focused on focusing on is getting them plugged in to community, a healthy community to where they can feel trust, right? So they're no longer standing up against the back wall of the church because we have 1500 people in in the sanctuary, right? They don't trust anybody, right? Um, So those are, those are the things that we're focusing on. And then just, those are the challenges that, that we have to deal with. And then the other part is to realize that I can't change them. I can't change them. It's the gospel that changes people, right? So I I could sit and just pour my heart out to people and love on them and do everything I can for them, but people will fail us, right? And I can't let that get to me because there's many others out there that need assistance as well, right? And so I have to lean heavily on the Holy Spirit, heavily on brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ um, to help us get through these challenges, because, and it's tough, especially with the veterans. They already got this this thing in their mind that the VA is going to be their big Lord and Savior, right? And we have too many people walking around looking like zombies in our church, right, from drugs. And not not like illegal drugs, stuff that the VA has given them. So it, it's just, that's the challenge, is just switching them over to a healthy community.
2: Let me pile on to your wonderful answer here. Challenges to military ministry... Let me answer in this respect. It's the pride of the pastor. So it's not about you, pastor. It's about what that family needs. So I'll just give you a little testimonial, and you can apply it to the context. We had a a family come to visit our church. He recently was stationed there as a submarine officer with his two teenage girls and wife. They had never been to Virginia before. They were northeast people. They were going back to Northeast, and he told me, hey, I'm here, I have two weeks before my submarine deploys, and I'm trying to find a church home for my wife and two daughters while I'm gone, and I I just am trying to find the right church so that my teenage daughters that are really traumatized from this move in high school can plug in. Well, my little revitalization church doesn't have a vibrant youth ministry. So without a vibrant youth ministry... I'm looking for people that will come in to my revitalization effort and start serving. That's not what this family needed. So I gave them directions and told them about a pastor of a church that had a vibrant teenage ministry, a much larger church than mine, solid preacher that went to Southeastern, the same place that I had gone, and I would encourage them to go and visit that church. And I had several people in my church heard me make that conversation and said, why are you driving potential family out of our church? because we don't have what they need. And if they're meant to be here, the Lord will bring them back. So as military and as growing up as a military, it was always about the team first. And people have asked me in different contexts since I've made the transition from Navy officer to pastor now, what's the biggest surprise? That pastors are like this about their people and their training and everything about them. And we need to open up and realize it 's not about us it 's about god 's kingdom and so the biggest challenge will be what you put in your own mind if you allow God to work to serve his people and realize his church is a more than yours, then you can be able to step out of your own self and provide the military people what they need. These
4: are wonderful answers. Um, Just one other little thought. We live in a fairly affluent community. That's where our church is. And there are attitudes toward the military. Um, There are people who think, you know, well, my son was smart enough to go to college. He didn't need to go into the military. Um, so it's it's a challenge in a way to, um, well, one of the reasons we exist as a women with a military connection is to encourage these moms and these wives um, who are connected to the military and, and help them see that what their son or daughter is doing is an honorable profession and help them have some things to say when someone says something um, you know, to them, which, you know, something very demeaning, I think. So I think that's a little bit of a challenge is to to serve in a community where, you know, people are not that connected to the military and don't really understand it and trying to, to help them appreciate really what our military does.
5: Yes, if I might, uh, I I guess I'll have to pay you my 20 bucks since my phone went off, right? Sorry about that. That's one of our vendors who is helping us put together this package. The the, the biggest for our church um, was for the, we have a military ministry and we have a lot of men who say, I want to do military ministry. How does it work? What do we do? And to keep that enthusiasm built up among the men to get them projects. And to get stuff going. But the realization is that in our church, we did a, a mind data on our church men, and we figured out that the men who are veterans really are the core servers of our church. So we may have, uh, Jim does a lot, and his wife, they do a lot of overseas missions work. Well, we don't get to see him a lot in the military ministry. And so, but you need to keep that community going because there's a value of information and within your church body, identify who your veterans are, but then you may find them they may be in your overseas mission, they may be in your choir, they may be in your prayer room, and they may be in the parking lot serving one of your deacons and but they may not also tell you that oh, i'm a I'm a veteran sometimes it takes us a while to bring bring that out. So the biggest challenge for our church is being able to, one, to keep everybody busy enough to keep enthusiasm up, and then also realizing that the men of our church who are veterans are serving all the way across the board and doing a great job at it.
0: Okay, great, great. If there was a um, local church that was interested in starting a military ministry or maybe someone listening to this, I think this is going to be online on our website, I think it's being recorded if someone were listening to this and they and they were just inspired, um, just had a strong desire to to do military uh, ministry in a local church, what one piece of advice would you give them? Sherry.
4: I think the way our military ministry started, how we identified people, is we looked at the prayer request in the prayer room. Because there are always prayer requests for the military. And that's where we started identifying people. Um, I'm actually, I don't think I said this, I'm actually a military wife. My husband served 12 years active duty in the Army and then Reserves. And I am the mother of an active duty soldier who just left Fort Bragg and is now at Fort Polk. So there was a prayer request in the prayer room for my son, who was deployed. What?
3: (laughs) 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 <laughs>
4: <laughs> who just left? Fort Pat, Fort Polk? Oh, okay, I'll tell him that. Um but but really, look <laughs> if, <laughs> So everybody has a prayer room, prayer list or something and look and and see what are those needs and who who is asking for this prayer request. Um That's, I think, a great starting point.
3: The other one's probably demographics of your area. Um, Wake County has 58,000 veterans. Uh, Of them is 6,000 women. Wake Forest has around 2,200 to 2,500. Rollsville right next door, has um, 270, I think, or 470. And then Youngsville, it's like 175, right? So there's tons. And and the reason is because the RTP, right? um there that's where all these jobs are going so either security or uh it jobs and so wake county is loaded with veterans loaded they're everywhere and so i think that's the other key part is knowing your dem. i mean you do the same thing figuring out how to reach your, your other people in your community as well right you gotta look at the demographics and see what's out there
0: anybody else
5: if I might, we are starting two churches for new military ministries who have been monitoring what we've been doing. Uh, and, and like yourself, we're trying to learn uh, but to make this thing to be more effective. Uh, but principally, it's coming to, we have another military ministry uh, church in our area, but their military ministry is social. And so they all, you know, that kind of thing. When we created our side was, okay, there's already somebody doing that. We don't need to redo that all over again. And so we are a more of a holistic spiritual type into that stuff. The two churches that are we're in discussion with, uh, they are in the process of de- trying to decide what is it that we want our military ministry to do. Do we want to serve internally, externally, you know, those kind of things. So if you wanted to start one, I think that the discussion would be demographics and what's your purpose. What do you think your purpose is? Your purpose is going to change, by the way, as you move down the road, but you need to start somewhere.
2: My two cents is how do you start a military ministry? I think it's best to not use a cookie cutter because each different – base, each different service is going to be different, but I would encourage, uh, like Sherry said, to pray about it first, and instead of asking the Lord to bless the plan you have, ask the Lord to reveal the plan he has for you in your context. Sherry, were you going to follow up with Um, something?
4: uh, Well, just one more thing I would like to add. A lot of churches will send boxes to deployed service members and send notes and cards and things like that. And all of that's great. My son served um, in a place where he didn't get anything extra to eat, so he loved those, and that's all good. But what I think I'm hearing from all of us here is we really believe that personal contact is very important um, in ministering and serving and uh, is having more personal contact, and that's what – the person who leads our group with me, um, she came out of a church like that where they they did send boxes and cards and things, but we sought to do something that would really meet the needs and have the personal contact.
0: Okay, great, great. One last question before we throw it out to our audience. Um, share one story of where you have seen God transform the life of someone through your local church's ministry uh, to the military community, where you've seen the gospel just just impact, change a life, transform a life
2: through, through your military ministry. So we had um, a sailor that had recently retired after a 20-year career in the Navy. And um, I didn't know about this context beforehand, but uh, we went on a short-term mission trip to Africa with our church, and she went on the trip with us. And stepped her through the process of how to get a passport and mentioned, I'd never been overseas outside of the context of the Navy where you don't need a passport. So, um, glossing over many of the details, some of our planning trips involved the mission team coming to my home to have planning meetings over dinner. And this particular young lady would stay, young lady in her 40s, <laughs> would stay at our house and help us clean up, load the dishwasher, and just talk with my wife and I. And one night afterwards, in tears, with her hugging my wife, saying, I feel like I have a family. I go back to my apartment, and I'm all alone. My family's in Detroit, and the reason I went in the Navy in the first place was to escape my extended family that were in the gangs in Detroit. And I'm not going back there but I don't have a family until now I've been in this church. So that right there
3: makes it all worthwhile. Who else? Um, Man, There's many, but a couple of things that stand out is uh, being able to take care of the families. Um, Everybody knows the Army, the military pushes you out, right? When you get out. Man, it's like, go to this appointment, go to that appointment, everything. And, uh, if you don't know any better, um, man, you just sign the line and move on out, right? And, uh, so some, we're finding out that a lot of our people weren't getting the disability they deserved. And, uh, it's, <laughs> We had a. Uh, I end up meeting a guy that works for the DAV, um, Disabled American Veterans, that goes through people's paperwork, and he looked at me and goes, "Chris, you just send people my way." He goes, "I'm. Uh, this is my ministry to the community, right?" And so he's down in Nightdale, and I've been sending people that way. And so we had a guy that was retiring from the National Guard, and uh, man, he had a lot of stuff wrong back neck. PTSD, sleep apnea, all this other stuff, less than ten percent. I'm like, what? This guy's like, absolutely not. And he, re- the, so these the people I get like get the, like the DAV have authorization to submit stuff to the VA right away. His ten percent went to seventy five percent. Now it's ninety, right? Because the National Guard doesn't want to pay it because they have to give the disability the day they get out right yeah, go ahead mm-hmm. right and hmm Mm-hmm, absolutely. He, he's not even thinking about his disability. He's not thinking about those things. Those are like a secondary
6: thing. It used to dominate his life. And now they're like, well, whatever happens, happens. Mm-hmm.
3: It's, it's giving them, it, it's also like he struggled with PTSD, night night terrors all the time. Um, and so you give them verses, right, to, to memorize, to engrave in their mind. And uh, so I end up asking him, I'm like, man, how you doing? He goes, I'm doing good. He goes, I took Philippians 4, 4 through 8. I wrote it out. I put it on a 5 by 8 card. It's on my mirror. He goes, I see it every morning when I get up, and I read it every morning before I go to bed. He goes, they haven't gone away, but by golly, I'm not having them as much as I used to, Right. So it's just, and for his wife, right? That is, oh my gosh, that's life changing for her, right? Now she's not getting beat up in the middle of the night. Honestly, not waking up with her 250 pound husband over the top of her with his hands on her throat, right? That she'd never, she'd never called the police on him because she loved him and she knew that he couldn't do nothing about it because it was in his sleep. And to hear that change, Oh, huh. it's amazing. The,
5: um, one of the things that I think you'll find in the veterans community is wives of veterans who have no clue of what's going on. Uh, one of the beautiful things that we've been able to do within our military ministry is to have conversations with wives. And because there's a perception of guys got out, They sign paperwork, they had no clue, and they just go along. And then all of a sudden they're thinking that, oh, I'm going to be, am I really going to be buried in Arlington? Oh, I heard that, you know, the hearse is going to come up. Or, you know, I get a $20,000 life insurance policy. And so uh, to a precise example, we had a veteran who uh, had dementia and his wife, his wife knows my wife, and my wife told her, and da 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 that circle. Because like, a lot of times, that's what happens. You know, the community just goes through. Well, this gentleman, she said what she was trying to get him into a facility, and uh, we were able to secure for him into the retirement, one of the retire- VA retirement centers. And so to relieve her to, and so we've started the process making sure that every one of our veterans tell their wives and talk to their wives. So when we bring a VA guy in to, we have a thing every once in a while, it's called Chow Hall. And so on our Wednesday night deal, the vets sometimes will meet at this for lunch, dinner. And, but we have, a, and we have a little speaker. And in that, we talk about the VA benefits and what's there and what's not there. So that the wives have a good, clear understanding of what, to, how things are available and what they can do. So I would encourage you if you have veterans and have them meet with their wives and ask them, "Do you know what veterans, what benefits to you, what's not?"
1: So um, one of the things that we've been able to see now in the this is a story before I even got there it's just uh, the lords used uh the military ministry in the sort of this you know year and a half uh infancy from uh, uh village was uh we had one of our uh soldiers that was there God radically changed his life as way I understand it they, he and his wife they, reded, they they uh uh did a vow renewal at our church he became one of our most active uh life group leaders and then they deployed and then uh you know it's like oh man you know he comes back and then they PCS out to Hawaii. And uh just actually last week I think it was our pastor got a text from him saying, Hey, you know, just started leading a Bible study with these guys out here again. And it's just passing that on and seeing uh that vision start to come fruition of, you know, soldiers who are um because a lot of our you know, there's some guys that'll retire out of brag, obviously, but we have we see a lot of the young soldiers are going on another duty station and so seeing them go get plugged in at other churches or seeing them go and then with whatever unit they join uh next starting to lead a bible study and start to pass on uh what they learned and how they've grown in christ in our church and so that's just one of the things It's just it's neat it's really amazing just to see that start coming to fruition and we're just con- continue to press into that
4: Okay. An example that I can share from Johnson Ferry, uh, I mentioned earlier, we started our ministry out of a need and the young couple, uh, a young couple had come to our church. He was still in the Marine Reserves, I believe, at the time. And uh, it was really the wife who came searching for information, came to the um, church library looking for books. And her husband was really struggling uh, with PTSD, um, a lot of depression just a lot of things, and she and I, we started, the military ministry kind of started, but the guys were still getting organized, and she and I looked at each other and said, you know what, we don't need really need to wait for the men, you know, let's start a women's group, and so we started, and we met and prayed, and we studied scripture, and it really gave her a lot of strength, a lot of courage. She was an amazing young woman, amazing young wife, and because of the connection, when there was a huge incident that happened with her husband, we were able to call the men who had the connection to the VA. They were able to meet the wife at the house, be there when her husband came home to really um, keep a very difficult situation from exploding. Uh, it, it really, um, anyway, this young man ended up going on to. Um, southern seminary getting a degree he's interested in counseling he's actually served with some of the people here in this room he's still it's still a process but you know healing from the trauma of war and he was in one of the most difficult situations healing from that trauma is a long process and i'd like to think that we had a small part in helping them in the early days of getting over this
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you all for sharing. Let's transition because I think our time is beginning to wind down a little bit. Jim, to see if anybody from the audience wants to ask the question or even make a comment, that would be fine. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah, like to I didn't want the microphone, but they told me "God, got easy. How do you connect with chaplains at the active duty bases? So I, I grew up uh, a prior staff officer. Chaplains got into me, they brought me in D groups. So as I'm here, I'm reproducing my D groups in my local church to help out. But how would an active duty base get plugged in in one of your local churches and you can help bridge that? Because, I mean, chapels are either really thriving or they're kind of dead on an active duty post. So how can a chaplain use you all to build and then almost be sent by you somewhere else? Uh,
0: Shannon and um, maybe Matt respond first, since you guys are,
1: so that's something we're working through right now. Actually, I I have um, one of the one of the simple ways. My my situation is a little different. I mean, for instance, I get to go and now do PT with some soldiers and stuff in the morning, and I've gotten the relationship started with chaplains and trying to get those soldiers then connected to with the local church. Uh, but one of the things that um, uh, we did, for instance, right before Third Brigade uh, went out and deployed, it was uh, we had Chaplain Jason Webster, who's uh, I believe Nam endorsed uh, Chaplain, uh, and he. He came, preached for us. Uh, We we said, hey, man, you pastor our service tonight, and then we're going to enter into this partnership where we're going to be uh, uh, continue to pray for you guys and bring it before our people, constantly remind them while they're for nine months in Afghanistan that we've got, hey, we're adopting third brigade from sending them stuff in the mail, care packages to just continually putting them before our congregation to pray corporately, but also individually. Um, and so that's given me, I mean, I was texting on WhatsApp, uh, one of their chaplains uh, in Afghanistan on the way here. Hey man, heading over to Southeastern, made me think about you. I'm praying for you Uh, and nurturing those relationships from afar. Uh, But also for me, I'm getting access to post to being able to to, uh, try and build relationships where we have one guy, for instance, our Thursday, our service, my campus that I lead meets on Thursday night. He's there. He's serving. That's where his family's plugged in because, you know, he's serving uh, as a chaplain on, on post with running a children's ministry program through one of the chapels. But he comes and he serves and this is where his family's connecting and we're his local church. And so we're actually trying to, I'm talking with his brigade chaplain right now about how to make that more of a formal partnership where chaplains can liaise with local church communities that are aimed at reaching military personnel. So, I mean, all it took was, I mean, it was nothing fancy, but we had a brochure, and his brigade chaplain saw that, and he thought that because we had a military brochure that we were just the neatest thing in the world. And so he's okay. like, I need to take this and show this to Garrison Chaplain, and and, and from there, just being able to, uh, he, they want to talk now and and that's actually on the schedule next week to try and talk about. It. Can we make a have a liaison kind of relationship with a chaplain? Who's going to maybe lead small group or have some sort? Because the reality is, a, like Fort Bragg, not every chaplain's necessarily at a chapel on a Sunday morning. Um, and so, trying to look at how we can actually do that, we're trying to explore that right now. I don't have the. This is exactly how we're doing it. Um, but those are some of what we're working towards.
2: Your question is fantastic. How can chaplains that are active duty on the base hook up with local pastors that are in the area? And at the Bible College that that I run, two of my instructors on staff are retired Navy chaplains, and we're still having difficulty doing that. So there's a lot of active duty chaplains in this room right now, and I'll just tell you, that's a weak thing. The borderline where you have to go by a gate guard is it sometimes seeming insurmountable barrier in order to get through and have access? I would love to be able to ask the question to the chaplains there. What can we do as pastors that aren't on that base? What can we do to have access and get information to you? And do we
0: have any chaplains that would like to respond to that Jim, we could if we have any that that would care to chime in, that would be great.
7: While I was a while I was a Navy chaplain, uh, I was on pastoral staff at a, a church in Jacksonville, Florida. And there's a simplicity to some of the answers, and that is on the if you're a pastor, I don't, the question I'm going to flip the question because the question wasn't on what the chaplain can do, although that's a valid question. Um, but the question I think originally asked is what can the pastor do? Um, and I know that one of the, the things that's really simple to identify is when you have Southern Baptist chaplains that are stationed in an area, knowing who they are and just taking the initiative to connect with them relationally, like, you know, have a cup of coffee with them, get to know who they are as a person and as a family. It's amazing how, how quickly the simplicity of that act bridges the gap between the local church and the installation. And because, I mean, we are, I mean, we are really accessible relationally. Now, when it comes to programmatic connections between sailors and the church, that, that's, that's a, that's kind of another layer of conversation. But the relational connection, um, can be done by any pastor with, with a phone and a Keurig, right? Who's willing to actually take that initiative.
8: I was just going to say something real quick. Uh, Two things. Number one, I think that's why churches that are being in the military church planning initiative is so important, whether it's pillar or others, that it's so important because now there are people that are being sent out back into the military context to be able to minister and to partner with the chaplain. When somebody comes to me on a ship and says, Hey, uh, can I help, you know, with the Bible study? Can I sit down? You know, and we have that conversation. I mean, that's like a breath of fresh air, right? But the other thing I would say is also understand your context. Um, And what I mean by that is we've said it here earlier is that the Navy and the Army and the Air Force are different in the way that we do ministry, right? Particularly even in some cases chapel ministry. And so I would just say understanding the context and the limitations uh, I don't like to call them barriers, but you, we, we're wise enough to get around them. So, if you want to minister into a military community and onto a military base, majority of those people come out that gate in the evening, and so you're not restricted by that gate. Um, but just to understand that once you do go in that gate, there are some things that I can and cannot do as a military chaplain that you can do outside that gate all day long. So, Jim, do you want to respond?
5: Uh, it. There is a thing we work obviously with Dobbins as far as military bases, and there's a thing called the Family Assistance Officer. And Dobbins right now has Marine, Air Force, uh, Army, and Navy uh, reserve facilities. So I meet twice a year, and sometimes three times a year, with the facility, the Family Assistance person of those individual. Command units. And you got to remember that with a veteran, you always, you always need to start with a veteran addressing his need where he is. Okay. I mean, if the deployment and, and I got to get my refrigerator fixed, that's important. You, we talk about God and everything else coming down the road, but first thing we're going to do is fix that refrigerator. And that gives us an opportunity. So the family assistance officers have been able to assist us. To get, be able to start programs. One of the things that we did just a little bit, we had a national director for Mary Kay and she volunteered to come into the base, set up a cosmetic makeup for all the women there. You know, have brought in a bunch of people with it. So it gave us an opportunity to witness and stuff like that okay but it didn't go forward because of just to follow up and i mean so it was all there but the family assistance officers because i'm telling you i've met with all the command sergeant majors and say okay men what do you need but we try to do financial peace to make it work you know and but at the family assistance office because they get notified faster than anything that people need so might be a chance there
9: can i Say sure, sure. I just, um, I'm Barbara Jarrett, and I'm also with Johnson Ferry, and I'm the staff person who administrates the ministry and, um, in the, out of the counseling ministry department. To answer your question, one of the things we did was I connected with the North American Mission Board chaplaincy to say we are here. And not only are we here to serve the military community, community at large, but how can we serve the chaplains? And one of the things we did was we asked for a list of, of the chaplaincy by name, and through our prayer ministry, we, and this is still ongoing, have 100% prayer coverage of all the names of all the chaplains we've been giving on a daily basis handed out. And so uh, we, that's kind of what we're doing is reaching out to the military, military community and saying, we are here. We are a reactionary ministry here to help. We want to serve. Tell us what we can do. But we specifically asked for helping the chaplaincy.
0: Outstanding, outstanding. Okay, any other questions? Right here. I'll do this, Jim.
6: Yeah, I think um, another point as far as connecting, that's the question, right? That's the $3 million question is, man, how do we get local churches that want to reach people for Jesus and chaplains who want to reach people for Jesus, how do we bridge that gap? And I, I just... A plea, you know, what can pastors do? One is if we have base access, like one day a week go work at the coffee shop on base and just bump into people, like the Ministry of Presence, like go bump into people. Um, which is a technique is to wander around the base and bump into people. Uh, same thing, chaplains. Like, go find you know healthy churches of the same denomination. We're SBC, so go go walk in, go visit the the top five SBC churches in the area, and introduce yourself. Hey, I'm a chaplain on base. I'm I'm part. Do you have Have you ever worked with a chaplain before? What could this look like? The other thing is to all that information. Healthy SBC churches that are reaching the military and healthy SBC chaplains that are doing awesome work, all that resides in a little building in Alpharetta or the guys who patch into that building. So like Endel Lee is great at, hey, Brian, you need to meet chaplain so-and-so. Hey, chaplain so-and-so, you need to meet Brian. So so reach back to to Brother Randy and Endel and Brother Doug of like connecting the dots. So chaplains, when you're moving, what two pastors do I need to talk to? Pastors, we need to ask the building every once in a while, hey, what what chaplains are moving to my area this summer that I need to talk to? Again, if it's one or two relationships, that's all it takes, one or two relationships, but it's one or two relationships every year, one or two relationships every two years. But I, I, I do want to make sure we understand that that Nam does have that information, SBC chaplains and healthy SBC churches that are trying to reach the military. It's in there. We just got to ask the question, push-pull method of figuring out information.
0: Great. That's a great answer. All right. Any other questions or comments? Questions? Comments? Yes, sir. Yes,
10: sir. Yes, sir. Uh, was there any difficulty integrating that with the state legislative no. issues?
5: No. As a matter of fact, I think it's also partially uh, federally federally uh, set together, but i I'll give you my card and get you tied up with Judge Green if you have something because different states are working it because they're recognizing what's going on and trying to keep you know uh, being able to p- provide these kind of services for uh veteran community
10: I'm kind of connected with the Chief Justice here okay. in North Carolina oh yeah Outstanding. I'm not a lawyer no <laughs> uh, but uh, are, are there certain crimes that are are not not going uh, to do eligible it. or
5: Right. Yeah. Okay. But they do get some m- mentoring on that side, you know. From that, so you know, drugs, alcohol, speeding, you know. not it kind of mirror drug court? Very much, very much. Except it's just it's right. our community, our community, the veteran community, vertically. And
10: the second, how big a uh, geographical or demographic area do you, does that cover? It, Our court. Yes, the state. Cobb County. Just the county.
5: Yeah, this one. But
10: I mean, they have, they have them. them have 800, right. right. Eight hundred
4: nine. So a very large. Huge
10: county, area. right?
4: Atlanta. One of the Atlanta.
10: Yeah, Cobb and, and
5: got it. Uh, and different communities are starting to cab around us, or starting it up.
10: I was going to ask about. Yeah. The cab and some of those. Other yes, sir.
4: Well, and I think the important thing is the mentors, the people who are working with these um, people who are in the courts, they understand the unique situations, the unique things they're dealing with um, as veterans, and it's huge support. And it's an 18-month program, however, I attended Uh, veterans court recently and i think there was a guy who'd been in it for 44 months or some crazy amount you got it you got to keep going to great yeah do overs right
5: yeah they don't always everybody doesn't start well life happens and events happen and so you know they don't always complete right on task and everything like that
11: Right here. So I'd like to say another um, connection, connector. Um, I'm Tommy Watson. I'm an Army National Guard chaplain here, Um, graduate here at SCBTS 2003. But I also work part time for the Baptist State Convention. And one of my duties is to keep military um, and chaplaincy um, visible, um, keeping our military chaplains sort of on a list and in communication flow. Usually when a chaplain is moving to our state, they'll contact me. What church do I need to get in touch with? Or who can I talk to about this? Or it's usually somebody from a church. How do I become a chaplain? So what I do is I filter those to somebody. So if I have you guys' names and phone numbers, I can just readily go and say, hey, here's who you need to be talking to. I think the easiest thing to do for me as a chaplain is is to be a connector um, and you're talking about access, like a lot th- those of us in the in the guard, um, we have access to Bragg and other places. Our, our, it's not our permanent duty station. It is for me, but I'm kind of in a different boat. But um, so like Tim back here, I knew him because I've seen him in some of the briefings and things over on Bragg. So now that I have this relationship with him, it's easier to go talk and say, hey, what, how could we get our heads together offline and think about how to do, how can we help you? I can tell you this from what I've seen, uh, the chaplains over at Bragg, the 82nd chaplains specifically, they're very busy, very busy. So how can we help them? I'm thinking from North Carolina, uh, Baptists, how can we go and augment what they're doing? How can we get in on and serve their families and, uh, all the things you guys mentioned, by the way? Um, arose out of a need is what I'm hearing. And I think that is the gospel ministry, right? So uh, thank you. I just want to say thanks for what you guys are doing. Uh,
5: Pete, if I could, uh,
11: one of the questions that I've been asked
5: a lot is, is, where do we start? What do we do? And one of the things that we're going to do, uh, everybody in the room know what a C box is? Everybody, So we've, we are our military ministry guys are going to um, we make in contact with the managers for each one of the c boxes and then we're going to dunkin Donuts and getting um those ten gallon bags boxes of coffee and a hundred donuts and we got a cart and a sign and we're going to be in front of the c box. Once once a month, serving coffee and donuts to every veteran that's coming through there, and then they're going to get a they're going to get a military ministry program, and they're also going to get a program that outlines the men's groups that we have in the church, because to get them to connect up. What what men groups? And so that is one thing that we've sort of stumbled upon. If you you know if you're looking for something to do to to start and that we're figuring it's costing us. It's going to cost us about a hundred bucks. But if you work it right, sometimes a Dunkin' Donut guy comes along and he'll, you know, because he'll give, get gift cards and, you know, we'll put the arm on him in a little bit and invite him the opportunity to uh, pony up. So that is one thing that we're learning. Amen.
4: Amen. Well,
0: this
5: has been great. What's a C box.
4: I'm not the only one who didn't know.
5: Oh, the C box is the the vet VA's local um, clinic. Okay. So it's not for the VA hospital, but you can get a shots, physical, and they do have mental health right now there. And they have you get your records, but you can't get you can get signed into the VA, and you can do okay. local stuff.